Hello, it's the June DCM podcast. My name is Tom Linnae. And if the sound sounds slightly more hollow and less warm than usual, that's because I'm in Barcelona and that's the kind of place Barcelona is. Yeah. No, it is warm. It's nice. We're here for Cine Europe. And if you've been a listener of the podcast for the last two years, I'm mainly talking to members of my immediate family and uh, <laughs> my um, line manager at DCM. But you will know that June is Cine Europe time Cine Europe place takes place every year in Barcelona and it's basically a big opportunity for all the distributors in the UK and around the world to preview their f upcoming film content to exhibitors uh, across Europe. It's a generally very fun place to be and I'm very happy today to be joined by Kevin Markwick from Uckfield Picture House. Hello from, Kevin. Hi Tom, the Uckfield Picture House. From the Uckfield Picture House yeah. the, the, is the, the, the important. <laughs> It is because we're the picture house as opposed to picture house. So it's nothing word. to do with. Yeah, not that I'm, you know, at all sensitive about that. No, but we should actually. This is a <laughs> this is a good segue yes. into the history of the Uckfield Picture the House because you have quite a long history in the uh, UK film uh, yeah. cinema industry. Yeah, well, the cinema was built in 1916, so we've already been past our centenary. Um, didn't open full time as a cinema until 1920, because the story goes the um, owner of the existing cinema in Uckfield, that's how long Uckfield's had a cinema, was also the magistrate granting the cinematograph license. So he felt that he could not grant the brand newly built cinema a cinematograph license. So uh, what they did, they used as a, um, a garrison theatre for the troops. Because 1916, obviously in the middle of the First War, bit of a strange time to be building cinemas, but... People need entertaining. I suppose that's true. So the troops uh, were entertained. And then in 1920, it started showing films to the public, and it's it's never stopped. And how long has, have you been involved? Well, my dad was... Yeah, my, <laughs> my dad was in the business. He started as a rewind boy at the Picture Drome in Eastbourne, which is uh, now the Curzon Cinema in Eastbourne in 1947 and always wanted his own cinema and then finally in 1964 so he had a fair old wait Uckfield came up because the previous tenant died um, uh, Percy Reynolds <laughs> and um, he uh, yeah he managed to get the sort of fag end of the lease that was left on the cinema so I was just coming up to two years old I think in 1964 yeah and so I've been, yeah, it literally, I literally grew up in a cinema. I'm the kid from Cinema Paradiso. <laughs> <laughs> so actually you've been involved with the Yorkfield Picture House for yes. 50... Yeah, well, I'm 55 years. years. I'm 55 years old, so my whole life, really. I did go off and work for Odeon for a while. But, um, yeah, pretty much. My dad died 25 years ago, so I've been doing it myself for 25 years, so... So tell us a little bit about the Oakfield Picture House today. Uh, today, well, it's uh, modern and um, well-appointed. We just did a ref big refurbishment two years ago. All new seats, all new floors. Um, um, sound and picture are my big thing. That's something I'm very passionate about. People, It's a community-based cinema as well. I mean, it's not a community cinema, but it's a, um, you know, we have a... Um, restaurant attached or restaurant over the road which does very well uh, big hundred and what's 110 cover restaurant which 
as we all know now, this is the way forward, I think, don't you, for yeah. exhibition is to combine, you know, to the experiential, I believe, is the mm-hmm. is the buzzword. But we do, yeah, so we'll, we'll, you can have the complete night out, really. Um, and we're very proud of it. And it punches, even if I say so, above above its weight. You know, we have uh, around 130,000 emissions a year. In fact, it's a bit more than that. I think it's about 145,000 emissions a year, which in a town of 15,000 people is not bad going, is it? And <laughs> what's your core audience? Uh, I would suggest it's upmarket mainstream. Now, whether that's an actual definition or not, I it don't know. It is now. It is, yeah. <laughs> So if your mum wants to see it, the chances are we're going to take a lot of money. So our biggest film of all time is The King's Speech, followed by, say, Skyfall, Mamma Mia, you know, that kind of... So it's not art house, really, although they will come and see some more uh, difficult stuff. But generally, it's, it's, it's every you know, going back historically, The English Patient, Room with a View, anything with Judy Dench. We love the Dench. Maggie send, Smith. Send more Dench, send more Maggie Smith. Um, I don't know who's going to take over from them. Do you? Winslet. Do you think the Winslet? Will? Yeah, I think Winslet is the new the Dench. Lord of Winslet. Yeah, maybe, or maybe the Mirren. Yeah, Mirren's a little bit behind Dench, isn't she? Yeah. In terms of age and stature. Yeah, yeah. But she'll get there. But so, Darkest Hour. I'm assuming Darkest is your biggest film so far this year. Been our biggest film this year. And actually, uh, I looked at the the numbers the other day, and I was a bit surprised to find Peter Rabbit was our number two film. Now I know it's not, I don't know what it did UK, but it's pretty. It's impressive. over forty million pounds. I yeah. think you know everyone's been surprised by Peter. It was Rabbit. a staggering result. Nobody really saw that coming. I don't. I don't think. even think Sony did. No. Um, and then our number three is Avengers, which brings us slightly more into line with the normal run of things. And then Guernsey, I think, is number four or five. So that's what we need. Do you think kind of your patrons trust your programming? They do. Will they take a risk on something that you put on? Um, that's a very good question. I think a certain number of them will. I don't think you're ever going to hit the big numbers with that kind of, you know, I'm not, um, you know, we all know, all of us, that if you don't want to see a film, you don't want to see a film, do you? You can't make someone You really see a film. can't. I learned that years ago. I used to put one of the first programming strands I ever did as I was probably about 21, 22, and I did Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon pictures and we put in one day bookings I put these in it was 50 pence a seat it was sort of early 80s I would suggest and apart from the fact that somebody would still come in and ask is it half price for children which was hilarious even then um, all the time we would do I mean I'm going back a few years now so titles like Warship Down and things like this absolutely packed as soon as you put I know I'm, uh, The Legend of the Lone Ranger which at the time was a famous flop in the early 80s that Lou um, that uh, I think it was ITC made it didn't they and um, nobody came so even at 50 pence a seat if they don't want to see it they won't come I think the industry's changed a lot obviously since then because um, cinemas are nicer places to go don't you think yeah since, since certainly since the early eight, late 70s and early 80s I think the last 10 years they're nice places to go I, you know I said this to somebody the other day now I, mean, I get various reactions I get a kind of a slightly pitying you're a bit naive aren't you Kev look or I get a, a, a sort of ringing yes you're absolutely right I think in the UK it's a pretty exciting time in exhibition at the moment I think we're we're doing you know I'm I don't mean to be smug. I'm not being smug or complacent, but I think, I think it's pretty, pr- 
pretty groovy business to be in at the moment. And I think we're all, you know, and I think... And what, why is that? Can you elaborate? Well, I, don't, I think it's because, and, and particularly because the sort of other market outside of the multiplex has really started to work and come into its own now, hasn't it? With people like Everyman and Curzon and things that we do at, at Uckfield, you know, very high quality cinemas that you can have a drink in and adults will go to. Now, maybe we need to worry a bit about what's coming in behind that. But I think it will, I think if, you know, it's a bit, if you build it, they will come. If you make it a nice place to go, people still want to go to the cinema. And I think the UK feels, again, I'm sure I'm probably not entirely right, but the UK feels slightly ahead of the curve in that market, I think. Definitely being in yeah. Cine Europe at the moment. Yeah. I think a lot of people are looking to the UK market to how mm. we're doing things yeah. in that more uh, yeah. upmarket, premium, yeah. Yeah. experiential, as you said, yeah. feel. Yeah. No, and I think we're doing it quite well, you know. I mean, the guys at Everyman do it very well. Curzon do it very well. Um, the Upfield Picture House does the it very Picture well. The Upfield House Upfield does it incredibly well. <laughs> but there is an element. I mean, that one of the things I took, somewhat immodestly, I took the decision about 10 years ago to make me part of the marketing, if you like. Because people do... I, I learned this quite, quite a, a while ago. People do like to hear people who know what they're talking about talk you know because it's a it's a it's it's engaging I and mean, we, we all like that don't we we all like various things that we listen to various podcasts and things if you if you get an expert expert it's probably a bit of a high highfalutin word but <laughs> you know if somebody's in you know passionate and engaged and knows their subject people really respond to that and they like this idea and they like that, stuff to be personalized as well yes yeah sorry for yeah yeah no 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 but they, they this is it and so it you know i the stuff goes out and and this and and people come into the foyer and if i'm in there they go oh you kevin and oh i love your emails you're a burning guy mm-hmm. and it's a uh, it it was it, it really helped our marketing i have to say that i started to you know rather than take a sort of you know make myself a personality part of the part of the of, of what we're offering so that people feel they can talk to you they can ask you questions um and it seems to work i think i mean whether how you would scale that i don't know but certainly at, at the level i'm doing it, it works very well so you've got one cinema is there ever has there ever been or is there plans to well there have been uh, other cinemas get, in the family oh, oh yeah oh yeah very much so um i'd love to get more sites it's not super easy for an operator like us to to well, I mean, there are probably sites you could get, but, I, you know, I, I want to do it well, so it requires a certain level of investment. But the kind of place I'm looking for and the kind of thing I want to do, um, quite often my friendly rivals uh, are already sniffing around or they've already been, you know, they've got whole teams that go out and find sites and that's their that's their one, you know, they've got a job to do it. So it's a bit more difficult for, for people like me to get out there and find exactly the right place. But we're trying hard. I've got two or three irons in the fire. Obviously, I can't say what they are. But no, we, we had cinemas in um, in Eastbourne, in, 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 in Sussex. And we had uh, Ashford in Kent. We had the cinema there for a while. And Seaford. And one in Cranley in Surrey. But there were different times. Um, Bristol, we had cinema in Bristol, which was the one that um, see, my dad never quite got to grips with how that was going to work. He'd always been a buccaneering independent who'd gone into these slightly cheesy, flea-pitty cinemas and turned them around. And distributors would go, we've never seen grosses like this coming out of this cinema. But he took that in, I'm going to say, 91 or 92, 
which is right on the, I mean, right in the middle of the kind of multiplex boom. Boom. I mean, we'd had multiplexes for a while, but that sort of sort of eighty nine to ninety five period was, wasn't it? It went mental, and there wasn't a multiplex in, in Bristol at the time, and then Showcase opened. And of course, it obliterated us completely. And I think what's happened, and this sort of goes back to what we were just saying, that um, independence at that time hadn't worked out where they sat in the market. They didn't know, you know, that the cinemas were done a certain way and multiplexes came along and did it better. And independence took a while to realise that. I mean, I, I learned early on that, you, you know, at that point, there was no, there's no, no point in taking a multiplex head on. You're going to lose you've got to find something else that you can do. And this is what I think the independent sector has now done. I mean, every man aren't technically independent, but they have an independent sensibility, don't they? I mean, that's where it comes from. It's, you know, if you remain, that's that's how she thought she wanted to offer something different. And, and they built on that whole, whole idea. So independents are, are much happier in the market now than they were at that time. It was very confusing for them all. You know, um, and a lot of the deadwood got cut away, which is probably a good thing. I mean, horrendous tales of old, ex- you know, the old tricks exhibitors would get up to, particularly independent exhibitors. You know, they were always a bit of a joke, independents, at that time, because they hadn't spent money on their cinemas and, you know, they weren't nice places to go. Whereas in the 40s, if you're an independent exhibitor, you were king of all you surveyed, you know. Had a Driving. billion admissions. Oh, you did, yeah. And you had the Woolsey and the fur, fur collared coat, you know. It was a very groovy business to be in, to own cinemas. I've just got to explain that uh, Kevin doesn't have a fur collared coat no. and a Woolsey. Because <laughs> um, obviously this is radio, they can't yeah, tell. Yeah, no, no, you know, of, course, got, of course. They're painting a yeah, picture yeah, of no, you. Yeah, I know. But yeah, no, independent exhibitors were, you know, were, were big, important, very wealthy individuals. I mean... Well, the emissions in 1947, weren't they? Were a thousand million, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, something. It was over a billion, I think. Yeah, it was, it was extraordinary. Can you imagine if we were doing those kind of numbers now? We, it's coming we'd, back. We'd be yeah. sitting here in our. We'd be in a. We'd be in a hot tub, wouldn't we? Yeah, doing we, it. We wouldn't be sat in the dark in the yeah. Diagonal Zero no, hotel. Absolutely. We'd be on the not. rooftop at Soho House, which we would probably own. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but we've survived because. Uh, my dad was smart and he reinvested and we went to two screens um, reasonably early for independence 1977 so which was quite early I mean there'd been multi multi screens by that point but for independence to invest that kind of money was quite brave at the time as in fact at that point we didn't own the freehold of the property so it was quite a risky thing to do and that sort of saved us really and then um, I built the third screen in 2000, and that's that actually did well. The, the, the two things that transformed the business were building the third screen in, in 2000, the year 2000. Um, because uh, I mean, I don't have to tell cinema owners this more screens just means more people, and it's not actually any more costly to run, a bit more staff, a bit more electricity. It's not a massive extra cost, and you get a lot more emissions. Uh, and digital and event cinema, I would say, are the two, you know. I think it's quite interesting that digital was such a seismic change, wasn't it? We don't quite appreciate sometimes what we went through. It must have, you know, it's, it's, I think, as big a change as the coming of sound, really, for us, in terms of what we had to invest and what we had to do and to change our cinemas. But, you know, I don't think people, and why should they understand that? But it was a seismic shift and being able to bring in event cinema, which was just 
And you're very much an advocate of digital projection, aren't you, as well? I am, yeah. Yeah, I can get a bit grumpy about the film thing, only because, only because of the way we had to change and the amount of money that we had to spend. And now we get all this, oh, well, you know, analogue revival. Well, <laughs> bog off. <laughs> so we're, we're at Cine Europe. We've yes. seen a lot of film content previews. We have, yes. And it's a tricky one because I'm not entirely sure what we're allowed to say. I, I'm not sure we're allowed to speak about very much at all. But what has stood out for you? Well, I think we can talk mm. about the type, the films we've, that have stood out but not go into too much detail. I mean, detail. You're, you're much better at remembering what we've seen, mainly because you write it down. Yes, I have written everything <laughs> down and I will be emailing it to Kevin. I should have probably done that before yeah. this podcast. Uh, and I am also 55 and have the memory of a goldfish. But widows looks so, good, doesn't widows, it? Widows, yeah. For me personally, as a punter, I'm excited about First Man. Yeah, or First Man looks great. That's the one yeah. with Damien Chazelle, mm-hmm. Ryan Gosling, First Man on the Moon. It yeah, looks like it's going to deliver I, I, drama abs- and thrills. Absolute sucker for anything. Because Have you seen the film The Dish? The Sam Neill one? Yeah. Not for a long time. Well, so there's a little six-year-old boy in that who knows everything about the moon landings. Yes. That was me. <laughs> when I was six, that was me. Uh, utterly obsessed with the moon landings and NASA and everything at that age. So even Apollo 13, which wasn't the greatest film ever made, we'll watch it endlessly. And that's because we love all of that and the right stuff. And so I'm personally excited, but I do think it's going to do business. I do. It looks it looks great as well. Mm. I mean, the la- the latest trailer is online, so people yeah. can go and check that out. But Ryan Gosling and Damien Chazelle. I mean, Damien Chazelle is one of those directors where he's on his third, fourth film now, and I've loved... Everything yeah, he's done pretty so much, far. Uh, yeah, Whiplash was fantastic. Uh, La La Land, I liked. Yeah, and he's he's the sort of director who I'll watch everything he makes sure. now, forever. Uh, from a from the box office, obviously, Mamma Mia is going to be. I mean, I don't know. You've got big numbers. You think that's yeah? Gonna I do. think it's, it's going to be one of the biggest films of the year, without yeah, question. It certainly will for us. Yeah, and I think generally. Do you think yeah. it can outdo Darkest Hour? I think it probably can because it's it's not going to run into anything else in the way. Perhaps darkest alley because that's a crowded time, isn't it? Yeah. It's a crowded market, and it had to sort of pick its way through other things which you weren't sure about. You know, Shape of Water, which did okay, but was a little soft for us. And you know, what about we, the post? The post was okay. It was fine. Yeah, no, we did okay with that. Um, that's why I quite fancy that other one, the um, the front runner. I think that might be a bit of a sleeper one. There, I think this, that'll do all right. This was, I think, a big surprise to a lot of people. Yeah. That a, a film called The Front Runner. Directed by Jason Reitman, mm. which stars Hugh Jackman as a uh, a politician called Gary Hart, Gary who Hart, in 1987, yeah. I believe, yeah, yeah. decided to run for president, and he was the favourite on all the polls and p- points ahead of everyone else. Mm. And his campaign lasted three weeks, and it yeah. looks like a really fascinating story. Yeah, I think people are. Uh, I, American politics might be difficult in the UK, but occasionally it does break through, like the Post. And I'm old enough, sadly, to remember when all the president's men came out and did all right. Yeah. So there is a, you know, there is a market for it if it's done well, and it looks like it's been done well, doesn't it? It hasn't got a UK release date yet, but I imagine it will be an awards contender. Well, Reitman needs a bit of a hit, doesn't he? He's had a few. Yeah. You know, they've been a bit lumpy lately. The men and women, the, children, one of men, women, and children, and then Tully great. recently. Oh, Tully was his, was it? Yeah. I didn't realise that. But he's he has he makes decent films. He does. He's no. He seems like a filmmaker with um, integrity. Or, as we say here a lot, visionary director. Yeah, everyone's a visionary director. (laughs) From visionary director. Oh, come on, really. But uh, I like the look of that. I think, um, again, commercially, uh, for us, Secret Garden will be a good one. Yeah, that that one's probably late 2019. Yeah, whether it'll, you know, 
But do you think that'd be a big, big one, or do you think it's just in? Was well, David Heyman of... producing it, and he yeah produces absolutely. big films. He does. So doesn't we're talking he? Fantastic yeah. Beasts, Gravity, yeah. Harry Potter. Absolutely. I mean, so. I, I think. I mean, one of the things that really has mm. kind of hit home to me over the last few days is that award season next year is going to be very competitive. You I think mean, so? it always is. Yeah. But just naming a few of the films that mm. we've uh, spoken about already: First Man, Widows, yeah. then The Front Runner, but also Mary Queen of Scots. Yes, which is looking like that's it moved around a bit though. Yeah, now it? it's January nineteenth. Which 19th. makes you worry a bit. But I think Shusha Ronan and Margot Robbie look terrific. Yep. Uh, and Boy Erased, the uh, Lucas Hedges starring. How in. did you feel about that? It's what they showed us though. Oh, so we're not allowed to say. Yes. Oh, I fell into the trap there. Oh. It was lovely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it it looked powerful. It does. And yes. he's a great. He's a very yes. good young actor, Lucas Hedges. Right. The favourite, Yorgos Lanthimos on New Year's Day with yes. Rachel Weiss and Emma Stone. Emma Stone doing a what seems to be a very good English accent. Yeah, well, she, she's pretty good. Uh, Aussies can do that, though, can't they? They do quite good English Emma accents. Emma Stone's American. Did you say Emma Stone? Yeah. Who was I thinking? Margot Robbie. Yeah. <sighs> Doesn't matter. Emma Stone. Oh, she's doing a good English Well done. Then. Yeah, exactly. Because there's one or two of them that can. Yeah. Nicole always does a good English accent. Gwyneth Paltrow did Gwyneth always Emma. does a good English accent, yeah. But... And they it, don't do that flat veiled thing that most American actors do. But then Widows, I think, is going to be a big contender. Yep. Star is Born will probably Star be a big contender, which yep. looks good. Yes. Bradley Cooper can sing. He can. Uh, and one of the big ones that's been talked about a lot is Bohemian Rhapsody. I think that's going to be massive. Why? I, I really do. Could it be bigger than Mamma Mia? As big as Mamma Mia? Uh, no. Would okay. be my prediction, only because... Mamma Mia attracts the is a slightly broader appeal, and I think the ladies make the decision to go and see Mamma Mia, don't they? Uh, but the thing with Bohemian Rhapsody is, it <coughs> does look broad. And it does, yeah. It's going to do very well. And Queen's Greatest Hits is the biggest selling album in UK history. Mamma Mia's is uh, it? sorry, Abba Greatest Hits is the second biggest album. <sighs> But Mamma Mia has obviously got the stage show behind it as well. Um, well, I think my my I always say that two things will survive nuclear war: cockroaches and ABBA songs. It's <laughs> <laughs> never going to let me go ever. That and Greece are going to follow me to my grave. There's got to be a Greece remake at some point. <sighs> isn't there? Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, there will. Won't there? But anyway, I think it's. I mean, it's looking ahead. It's just, it's. No, it feels good. Really it feels good. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it does. I mean, we we're kind of bombarded with content here. At, you know, it's, you get a bit punch drunk, don't you? But the general feeling is that there's a lot of good stuff to yeah. come. And this Q4 year and 2019. Yeah. is going to be massive with the Bohemian Rhapsody. Is that Q4? No, it's yes, that's October yeah, 24th. Yeah. And then you've got on Christmas. I think it's going to be a stonker. Mary Poppins really returns. Do. Yeah, Mary Poppins. Fantastic I think the Grinch beasts. will play yeah. right through. The Grinch is actually does look yeah, very funny. That's out on November ninth. Yeah. And um, Fantastic Beasts will play through. I think it's very strong. I worry for Warner Brothers and Aquaman, but don't know. Well, that's the thing. There is also that into Spider Man into the Spider Verse, which looks really nicely animated. Well, it actually. does look nice, but when. Um, you know, the, uh, the idea that it's going to be the big family movie for Christmas, I'm not sure that's that's correct. Well, Wreck-It Ralph is out there as well. And Wreck-It Ralph, it's busy old time, so I think we'll have a great Christmas. And then, of course, next, in the next year, because, of course, uh, Universal got the Bond now, haven't they? Yep, Bond has moved. Bond 25 is Universal, so they made a big deal about yeah. that, which is exciting. Mm. Um, and Danny Boyle directing you. Yeah, you I'm up for that? that. I'm a massive Bond fan. I'm a real Bond nerd. And, you know, they always take a lot of money with us, always. Skyfall um, was, yeah, I think, yeah, that was second, second biggest film of all time. 
Um, but as a kid, you know, going back, when a Bond came out, it was always a big thing in our house, you know. In my house too. Yeah, but Dad would be in a much better mood because he knew we were going to be taking some money, although they were released in a different way then. I mean, now it's all out it goes. But, uh, you know, in the 60s and 70s, they would go out in the coastals first. Really? They, uh, oh, yeah, oh, I was mad, absolutely mad. So you get a, a only in Leicester Square exclusive for four weeks in, say, June. And then in July, it would go Keys and Coastals only. So it would play Newcastle, Birmingham, wherever. Plus, you know, Blackpool, Eastbourne. Southend. Uh, so, yeah, seriously. I mean, and often cinemas that didn't get a sniff of a first-run film all year round, because they had the sea lapping at their front door, they'd get the bond. Wow. Uh, because people went on holiday in the UK then, I suppose, was the, was the rationale behind it. And it's but, raining, so people want to yeah. go to cinema. <laughs> so then we would come in, usually, well, there was a London release at the end of August and then we'd come in third week of release uh, second week of September amazing that people would wait three months for a film to come to them I know extraordinary Star Wars we didn't play we played it because my dad wouldn't book it which I was very upset with him for that because it went out Boxing Day 70, 77 in the UK and um, he wouldn't play it because it was four weeks 60% and he didn't want to tie up one screen 60% four weeks. When you say four weeks, 60%, 60% rental costs. Yes. So you have to give... No, si- it was more. It was 75%. So you have to give 75% of every 75% ticket back yeah, to the distributor. To Fox at that time. And four weeks. Minimum four. It was at the time when they could insist on much longer playing times than they can now. And uh, so we didn't play it until uh, August, the following August. Eight months after the That's release. That's crazy, isn't And it, it still filled up twice a day for two weeks. Can't imagine that happening now, can you? No, maybe the greatest showman. Yeah, <laughs> but, but anyway, I mean, it's it's yeah, no, uh, it's looking good. It's it looking, looking great. Good. It is and, looking good. Uh, just before we finish, because I've just yes. seen the time. That's all right. You've I can talk been, for England. Sorry. You've been involved in film yeah. production too, haven't you? I've yes, I have made some film-ish things. Yes, we made a feature film a few years ago. Can Did all right. Called Neil's Party. Uh, that was a while ago. Now, what was your involvement? I wrote it and. Co-produced it. Okay. Um, well, co-wrote it. Are you hoping to do more? It. I would like to make some more films. Yeah, I would. It's just, um, I think the thing about being a filmmaker, um, as you may well know, is that you've got to be quite single-minded, haven't you? You've got to focus on that. And I think I'm, I'm a teeny bit of a dilettante in that life's too interesting to be focused on one thing. And so I never quite had that, you know, uh, uh, single-mindedness that and I think you, you need. You definitely need that. Yeah, as well. and I was like, "Oh, radio, that's interesting. Oh, cinema, that's interesting. Oh, history, that's in- you know, I, I, I can't, you know, life's too interesting to just think about that one thing all your life." So I directed a short film which did very well. Went around the world. I went around the world with that with festival festivals, won a few awards. What was that called? It's called Lullaby, and you can see that on YouTube. Um, Hayden Gwynn, who. Some of your older listeners may remember from such shows as Drop the Dead Donkey. <laughs> in fact, she was in the recent Coriolanus from the NT Live. Um, uh, or from the NT... Uh, from, where did it come from? It wasn't from... Anyway. Um, but, yeah, that did really well. We won quite a few awards on that one. 
and I should make another one, really, shouldn't I? So watch this space for yeah, more films from Kevin Markwick. From and more visionary director. Yeah, from visionary director <laughs> Kevin Markwick. And more cinemas from yeah. the Uckfield yeah, Picture, Picture House. House. Yeah, yeah. But thank you for joining me, Kevin. That's my pleasure. Uh, I'll be back next month. When I'll be back in London, hopefully within the confines of our soundproofed screening room but thanks for listening don't forget to subscribe to the podcast via your chosen podcast app and i'll be back next month thanks bye